1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost podcast. I'm Leo. I'm James, and this is episode 10. 10. We're doing best horror movies between the years 2010 and 2020. There's been a lot of great horror films, so we got a good list tonight. Yeah, but before we get into that, we just want to thank everybody for all the support, all the five-star reviews you guys are leaving, even that four-star review. We still appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) All the subscriptions, all the comments and love, it's been really great. Yeah, and we keep getting people asking, like, how don't you guys have, like, a million followers? How don't you guys have a ton of views? We're still new. This is only episode 10, obviously. Yeah, we've only been doing it for a month. Um. Obviously, we're blown up on TikTok pretty quickly, which is super fun. But again, if you want to help us grow, share us with your movie friends. We all know you have movie friends. We have those movie friends. We're a bunch of weirdos. <laughs> you know, that click, who the people who know who Paul Thomas Anderson is. Like, if you know, yeah, send send us to your friends. They'll probably enjoy us as much as you. Help us grow so that, you know, we can keep banging out more videos. Hell yeah, man. But um, let's get into this episode. Let's start. So the horror genre has been making a serious comeback in the last decade, after we were basically stuck with kind of like the same sort of horror movie, horror gore movies. Pretty generic, yeah. And everything was kind of just a rerun of itself. It seems as though torture was really big in the early 2000s. Yeah, we were inundated with gore franchises. I mean, the first Saw movie is amazing, but after that, I don't want to see people get tortured. And then Hostel came in and... You know, yeah. Yeah. cabin I, fever. I want to be challenged with a horror movie. I want to, like, be terrified, not just, like, scared, Yeah. shock scared. Psychological terror. Yeah. yeah. And so I think the last decade we've seen a lot of very original ideas, a lot of unique directors. Mm. And I think I, I think there's a lot of optimism for the horror genre. And the movies we're going to go over is going to be a, a clear example of that feeling. Yeah. And they're making a lot of money. A lot of these horror movies are getting made with very small budgets, and they're killing it at the box office because people love it. Yeah. So, let's get into it. Let's do it. The first movie we're going to talk about is A Quiet Place. Shh. <laughs> 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 nice improvisation. Uh, it was written directed by John Krasinski, who's famous for being Jim on The Office. Of course. As well as some... Marrying m- Emily Blunt. <laughs> yeah, that's probably his most prominent yeah. characteristic in his life, uh-huh. is uh, marrying her. And uh, he... He's directed a bunch of episodes of The Office and some other movies. Yeah, he made, no he made a documentary and he made a a film a few years ago. Yeah, and he, he yeah. he's a co-writer on some screenplays too. Yeah. like that fracking movie. Yeah, that without wasn't Matt Damon. that great. Yeah. But um, so he, I think he just knocked this movie out of the park. It was he did such an incredible job directing, and um, you can see how talented he was he is at directing just from the first five minutes of the movie because they set up the film without any dialogue. It's just this opening scene with the family and the way they interact with each other. And the way that he directs it, and the set design, and the actual story of that scene, it tells you all the information you you need to know without a single word spoken. Yeah, it's incredible. And so it's reminiscent of silent film to yeah. me because I am w- a huge fan of silent film. I took silent film history classes in like college and everything, so like I know a lot about silent film. Bro. Oh yeah, I do you even it- know Buster I Keaton? T- I took those classes in what uh, a college. fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I love I love silent film. And so it shows you, I've always been prominent and vocal on like, you don't need a ton of dialogue to tell a story. Exactly. You can have dialogue. Like obviously Tarantino's movies are dense with really smart dialogue. Yeah, that's his style. But you don't need dialogue to tell a story. Yeah. And you, what's interesting is Krasinski actually edited this film without sound. The whole thing. The whole thing. He, ed- he Him and his editor, they cut it together without any audio. Yeah. And uh, the, the music is pretty airy too, but like yeah. he does a good job of only needing it when he, when he really needs it. Yeah and um cuz it's the silence that really pulls you in. Yeah. And because he's such a great he's a great actor too. Yeah, And Emily Blunt's a world-class She's actress. She's unbelievable, yeah. And you can tell like obviously we all know they're married in real life, yeah. but that clearly played a key role in their relationship on camera without mm. dialogue like you can feel how comfortable with they are with each other and how close they really are and how connected they are you can you watch know? their conversation just the way just they, their they eyes. can look at each other yeah. or a gesture and that's all you need from them yeah it's kind of like that george clooney movie um where he plays like a father of a bunch of kids it was really popular like four or five years the descendants? ago descendants yeah the descendants yeah and like we watch that and you're like i mean clooney's great but like he's not a dad in real life so yeah. you can kind of don't you don't you don't believe, you don't believe him it. as a dad yeah that's why I think in so few movies he has kids. Yeah. Because he probably is like, I don't fucking know shit about kids. <laughs> I know he does. I have, I have dogs. Well, yeah, yeah, his wife's... they, they has got twins right? now. Yeah. But so, like, that's an example of, yeah, Clooney's a great actor, but he doesn't know what it's really like to be a father. Yeah, exactly. These two are really married. They've probably had every kind of beautiful conversation, screaming, yelling match that you can think <laughs> of. And just like Krasinski's just like, okay, Emily, whatever you say. But <laughs> And the, I think the strongest part of this film is the element of the family. It's the glue of the movie, and you really care for every character. But it also, it makes perfect sense that the kind of family that would si- survive uh, a crisis like this is a family that's already adapted to communicating non-verbally because their daughter is deaf. Yeah. So obviously, they were able to survive and interact and travel while avoiding these creatures by, by making as little sound as possible because they already knew how to, how to communicate without, audi- without sound. Exactly. There is it's a difficult backstory with him and how she feels responsible for um her brother's death. Yeah, in the beginning of the movie. And that opening scene when the kid gets when 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 the rocket ship goes off and then Krasinski's running across the bridge and he's looking for the monster and then just before he gets to him the monster just it's so fast we barely even see it it just like grabs the kid snatches him and goes into the woods like in a split second. Yeah. And that's and then the the uh the title comes up and you're like holy I think the whole audience was like oh fuck. Yeah. Like this is this movie's intense. Yeah, and he's this is what a lot of great horror directors do is they're they're very picky of when they show the monster. Yeah, they show you just a little bit. Yeah, if they even show it until the point that they want to show it, and he gives you that glimpse, but really it's like maybe three frames of yeah. footage where you can actually see the monster, and, and you don't know what it looks like. It's yeah. like a cloud. You see some weird limbs, and you're like, what yeah. the fuck is that? Because it moves so fast. Yeah, and that's the thing is like no one said like I mean if you saw a trailer you know there are monsters in the movie. Yeah, but like if. If you watch the first five minutes of the movie, you don't know what happened. No one says anything like, oh, aliens invaded. You don't really get any information. But he tells you by showing you, which is the most important rule of filmmaking is show, don't tell. Exactly. You don't need dialogue. Yeah. So, like, I love his opening where you know what the world is because there's in that town looking for materials. Yeah. It's completely abandoned. They're looking for medicine. It's Not only is it abandoned, there's cars everywhere. There's still supplies on the shelves, which means, like, people, like, got the fuck out of Dodge real quick. Exactly. Which is obviously he's setting up for the sequel, which is going to be great. Where it looks like it's kind of going to be a mixture of a sequel to the storyline as well as a flashback storyline with him. Yeah, and like when the shit went down. Yeah, the like initial attack. And I um, I'm really excited for the sequel, but it's. It's too bad. This was the first major release that was affected by coronavirus. Yeah. It was supposed to come out at the end of March mm-hmm. and then they originally delayed it by two weeks and then another two weeks and then they were just like, okay, we're throwing it on the slate for now. We're not putting it out. It was highly anticipated too. Yeah. That thing was going to make easy $100 million. I, I guarantee hope, it. Yeah, I hope they don't release it uh, VOD like they just They're did. They're not going to. Because this is a movie that can make close to a billion like like Wolverine like Logan and Deadpool making a ton of money rated R Just going to make that those kinds of numbers and it won't it won't even make a third or a quarter of that VOD and and Disney can take the hit with Mulan oh, yeah. so Disney yeah. can release it for $30 yeah. they'll probably make 200 300 million dollars yeah. maybe if they're lucky uh-huh. but like that's not a huge deal to them yeah. as long as they get the franchise out and exactly. get the movie done cuz like I say these these companies they want a return on that investment yeah, like, yeah. real yeah. fast bro yeah. And another thing about this movie that I loved is the the creature design. I thought it was fantastic. And um when you finally the, the creature is finally, finally revealed, um I thought it was a new look for kind of a monster or an alien that we haven't seen before. Um it was pretty horrifying, especially when it's like shell of a head like breaks apart and opens up. It's similar to a demogorgon. Yeah, yeah, it looks similar to the demogorgon. a demogorgon. Except the demogorgon's a little more human-looking. Yeah. In terms of like its body form and like arms and limbs, whereas this thing, it's like got these giant limbs. Yeah. And it's like walks on its huge wrists or elbows yeah. or something. And um, my it's one of my favorite shots of like the last decade is the end of a quiet place when um Emily Blunt gets that shotgun and and uh, they look at the security cam footage and there are a bunch of creatures running onto their property mm-hmm. and the camera pushes in and she just goes like Tch-tch! yeah cut to black so fucking awesome after they figure out the weapon what yeah. works when Krasinski sacrifices himself to save his kids and he does the signing of uh, I love you to his daughter oh my I just oh, I burst into tears and he just screams like yeah you know he's gonna do it as soon as like he sees yeah. the monster Yeah. And just like God, oh, please John, it's such don't, a great scene man don't do it it's John unbelievable kill the kids stay alive I love you Krasinski yeah. dude holy fuck and um very clever movie, very well made. Obviously it was kind of done over with like the, the other the Sandra Bullock movie. Yeah, um what's it called? Like with the blindfold? Was, Some bird bird box? Bird box. Bird box. Bird box. Um so kind of like that. That was more like a combination between uh a quiet place and kind of remember that Mark Ruffalo movie Blindness. Yeah, Julian Moore. That was a really cool movie where yeah, the whole every, yeah. I don't know if everyone's ever seen it but the whole world just suddenly goes blind. Yeah. So it's it's not obviously like it's it's a loss of senses but obviously as an audience member you see it whereas Quiet Place you still have all your senses whereas they still have all their senses they're just trying not to make noise. Yeah. But um Blindness is a very cool movie. It kind of reminded me of this. It's similar kind yeah. of vibe in terms of like you got to be quiet or like you can't see or something like that. But um, that, it reminded me of that. But Sandra mm. Bullock's movie more reminded me of that. Yeah. What's interesting about the, the backstory for this movie was it was a script that um, the writers got Michael Bay on board to produce. And Michael Bay had just shot um, Bengali with uh, Krasinski and gave him the script because he thought he would be good for it. And Krasinski read it and he said, I want to rewrite this and direct it and star in it. And so that's how it came to, into Krasinski's hands. So it's a Michael Bay production. Oh, I didn't know it was Michael Bay production. Yeah. Oh, wow. So if it wasn't for Krasinski doing that Michael Bay movie, he wouldn't have made this movie. Yeah. Great movie overall. Krasinski knocked it out of the park. Can't wait for part two once Corona is over. I want you to see that in theaters real bad. And yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next movie. That's all I got. Yeah. Um, the Cabin in the Woods. I really like this movie a lot. I think you had seen it and then you showed it to me. Yeah. And um, I was blown away by it, obviously. And um, if you like horror movies, if you know a lot about horror movies, this is a great movie to watch because if you want to be scared but also have a fun time Absolutely. and not take yourself or, or the movie seriously, yeah. this is the movie to watch tonight. This, this movie is so refreshing because it took every single horror movie trope and cliche and character and monster that you've seen over and over and over again, and it flipped it all on its head. Yeah. And it, it was so unique and creative, and I've never seen a horror movie that was that much fun and engaging and that uh, unpredictable. Yeah, the whole point of the movie is to be a satire on the horror genre. Yeah. In the state of the horror genre at the time, because this came out in 2011, where again, in the beginning of the podcast, we talked about how horror was just like going down the drain in terms of like the same recycled storyline over and over again. Mm -hmm. Same ghost story, gore horror. Yeah. So this was kind of like, fuck that shit. Let's flip this on its head. Let's roast that shit at the same time as making a really good, unique Fun movie, yeah. Have a fun with it. But um, so this movie it has an interesting, interesting story because it was made and it was shot in two thousand nine. Uh-huh. I think it was complete at the end of two thousand nine. Yeah, but it was shelved for over a year because of distri- distribution rights problems. Yeah, it was and, stuck on the shelf for a long time. Yeah, so like this came out the same year that Thor one came out in two thousand eleven even though Hemsworth had shot this two years before, no one really knew Hemsworth's name, Yeah. but then that was like a blessing in disguise because people were like, oh, that guy Thor is in this horror movie. <laughs> and when you watch the it horror helped, movie... It probably helped the box office yeah. of Cabin. And when you watch Cabin in the Woods, he has like short hair. It's like, wait, did he do this first? And How did he grow his <laughs> hair so fast? But he shot it two years before uh. Thor. And I think it's a perfect horror movie because it's a cool 95 minutes, man. Oh, yeah, it's tight. It's, there's, not, there's no uh, fat on it. Yeah, it's funny. Again, it's smart. It's clever. Uh-huh. You kind of don't know what the fuck's going on for a long time. They're sl- like- yeah, they're slowly revealing it, and then with um, Richard Jenkins and uh, Bradley uh, Woodford mm-hmm. with their characters uh, in the in the the villain the from v- B- Billy yeah. Madison. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see the guy's balls. See the guy's balls. They're really weird. They're really weird. <laughs> but it- and there you're slowly seeing what their world and what their job is, and when it all finally comes together, and you realize what they're doing, and that it's all a setup. Yeah. It's, it's the most ridiculous concept I've ever seen. It was unbelievable. Yeah, because they, they open it up like it's cross-cutting between the classic, like very attractive college high school <laughs> kids on their, on, their, on their getting ready for a trip and then yeah. cross-cutting with these like office employee engineer looking guys. They yeah. look like they're scientists. They're all wearing like, white shirts they? and ties. And they're like walking around, driving in these carts, talking about we don't know what yet. Yeah, And then like the first moment where you're just like, what the fuck's going on is they get gas and there's that creepy old guy uh-huh. who's like preaching like – like like sermons to them, and you're just like, what the fuck's going on? But then he's in communication and calls the uh, these guys in the warehouse or it, in the in the yeah, yeah. science. And labs. also like when they when they reveal their control room and they have footage of all of all the characters, yeah, like but, live footage of them. But before that, before yeah. they even get to the cabin on the so, roof, there's so, the guy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, on the roof when they leave the apartment, the gas station guy, and then there's that shot of like they're driving along that cliff, and then this bird or this hawk is flying. And then all of a sudden, it hits just, just like, the invisible yeah, barrier. Yeah, yeah, the... And you're like, what the holy fuck? Frick? What is that thing? That was the biggest reveal, because that happened, you're like, holy shit, what is this? What is this movie? Yeah. What is going on right now? Obviously, there's some kind of connection, uh-huh. and then slowly, slowly, and then they get to the cabin, and then the people are watching them in the cabin, yeah. and then you're like, this is a fucking setup? This yeah. is crazy. And for anyone who hasn't seen it, ultimately, this government agency is trying to s- sacrifice this group of teens... In order to pay tribute to the gods that live in the underground. Yeah, so basically, because if they don't get fed, <laughs> they they will destroy the earth. That's what's crazy about the whole movie. Like, so you're, you're rooting for the kids to die. Yeah, but you don't know that immediately. Yeah, yeah. You don't know that till later. But like the the whole the great thing about this movie is so many horror movies are focused just on like the characters. If they die, that's it. If they yeah. don't die, that's it. But this is about. The end of the world or yeah, not the end of the world. Exactly. And the, the whole ending. The stakes couldn't be higher. Yeah, so the ending of the movie, we'll just jump to the ending. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Where the kid, the, the stoner and the girl survive, and uh. they're just like, fuck it. And they're like, if I'm going to die, I'm taking the world down with me. That <laughs> mentality is just yeah. like, holy shit, this is sick. Yeah. So they just, they just let the the ancient ones, that's yeah. what they call them, right? Yeah, the, the ancient, ancient ones. ones. They just let them come up and kill everybody and take <laughs> over the earth. It's just like, this is unbelievable. unbelievable, yeah. Because so, you would think that they're going to be like, oh, we got to save the earth. But they were like, fuck this. We've been through fucking hell. I'm done. Like, they're just like, they're over, they're over it. And again, people like you, you'll read reviews and like go on Reddit and you'll see people so upset about this movie and so upset about the ending. That's the surprising. The thing yeah. is a satire. Yeah. That's the whole point. They don't understand it. It's making fun of the genre. I know I love horror movies and I know there are so many horror junkies that just take the genre very close to the chest. Like it's very meaningful to them. Yeah. And they might see this movie as like kind of spitting on the genre. But for me, it's just fun. Yeah. It's a good time. It's literally it's a postmodernist vision of it where it's like, This has been this genre has been going on for so long, so now we can kind of rewrite it. You know what I mean? And yeah. change it and have fun with it. And then you really start to understand what's going on, like when you get what's going on You're just like This is genius like, oh, This is am- amazing And you're still terrified At the same time and Like, My favorite part of the movie Has got to be
0: Is it acceptable to go to Mickey D's just for a drink? <laughs> of course it is. But good luck leaving with just a drink. It's more than a drink. It's a Mickey D's drink. Experience all the creamy goodness that is a cafe iced coffee. Try flavors like caramel, French vanilla, and sugar-free French vanilla. Now get any size for only
1: $169. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. When Hemsworth gets on that bike, the motorcycle, and he has to jump over the the huge pit, oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's this build-up, He's like, he gives like a speech. He's like, "I'm gonna go get help. We're gonna get through this. We fuck these guys." It's like the hero, the yeah, leader, the hero the line, alpha, the hero monologue. And he fucking revs his engine. He drives. and He jumps off the cliff, and then he crashes into the invisible barrier. Just he looks like he's gonna falls. make it. Though. Yeah, he looks like he's about to make it. Then slam right into the barrier. And then it his friend's like, Ah and then you're like, Oh Fuck! <laughs> I love that part. Turning on his head. I love the part where they're in the basement and they have to, unbeknownst yeah. to them, pick what horror is going to come after them. Huh. And they're like going through it, and then you understand like what the pool is and like yeah. what they've been talking about. Like, yeah, what all the employees have been betting because on. Because they what they're have gonna that pick. pool with like maintenance pick this yeah. and everyone pick that. And they all—it's all different trinkets and items in the basement. The the funniest joke in the whole movie is like it happens like three times where it's the the merman. Yeah, the merman, the man <laughs> thing, and then eventually the guy gets killed by. The He's like a merman And then he just fucking destroys him And when everything's hitting the fan At like the, the headquarters of whatever the yeah. agency is And all the monsters are escaping And it's just so cool to see like All your favorite type of movie monsters yeah, everything. And zombies yeah. Werewolves And like, they're all just escaped and witches. eating and killing everybody it's, the, it's an amazing shock because what happens is uh, The SWAT team comes out and they're the, in this big elevator lobby And then all the elevators are coming down And then the, they're just waiting to see What, what comes out and the door op- elevator doors open, and all the monsters just fucking pour out and start destroying them. And it's an absolute fucking bloodbath. It's, it's insane. It's one of the craziest shots I've ever seen. Yeah, and again, it has everything you would want to love about a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just such a good time watching this movie. It yeah, really is. It's, it's a good a time fun. to watch like... Even if you've seen it once or twice with your friends, your your movie homies, you mm. just put this on and you just you can just roast it the whole time and talk yeah. about it the whole time and just yeah. laugh the whole time and be scared the whole time. It's it's, it's a good time horror movie. It's always fu- it's always fun. Yeah. It is. All right, let's move on. Next up on the movie list again, this isn't like our official like this. Is, these to are just one the ones list. we love. Yeah, we're just yeah. putting this in. in just no random order. Order. Um, how about we talk about the witch? Oh fuck yeah! Which you really. Got me to watch, again, like you make me watch I saw a lot it of in theaters and it blew my mind. And um, I thought it was unbelievable. Yeah, I went into this movie with no expectations. Um I didn't really know a ton about Robert Eggers, the it was director. was his first movie. Yeah, it was, it was his first movie. He was a production designer on films before this film. But um this movie blew me away. Mm. Just the hypnotic slow pace of just tension uh. and like fear and confusion mm. and... Set in this Puritan time, where it's a it's a good place to set it because if you if you want the audience to believe there are witches, it's genius to set it in Puritan times yeah, when they were exactly. killing people because they thought they were witches. Yeah. So I think that was really smart for Eggers to do, and they they built that world really well because you see the uh, the community in the beginning, and you can see a bit of the village, and it looks great. And then the characters are forced; they're exiled into the wilderness. So then they. They eventually build their own home and their own land. And the period clothes are great. Um, The dialogue is very accurate to the times. um, So that helps add to the realism. Very symbolic movie uh, in terms of religion, Mm. like big time. And religion was like the science of the day. Yeah, so there's so many like symbols in terms of like their culture and their community that they get exiled from that can represent or probably does represent the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Whereas they get exiled just like Adam and Eve uh-huh. and they' kind of have to fend for themselves on their own mm-hmm. and then um, basically the whole story is about sin and each character and their sins is specifically like so it starts with the father, his sin of um, Pride. self-pride yeah. and conceit and he ends up like there's this really beautiful shot after they've been exiled and they're living on their own in their little cabin. And it's a very beautifully lit shot of him at the dinner table. And he looks like Jesus at the yeah, Last yeah, yeah. Supper. They, the way they, sh- they frame it. Beautiful shot. Yeah. And but the it, mother's silhouetted. But it also symbolizes that he's become his own idol. Yeah. So he's just become so obsessed with himself mm. that he runs into the be- world. Yeah, he's the god of his, of his little bubble now. Makes sense. And, and I love... They, te- they, they slowly roll out the horror element in this film. And you're not really sure what horror is out there but you just know there's something out there in those woods mm-hmm. but you don't see anything and it's built up and then finally when the when the son gets lost in the wilderness and he happens upon the witch's hut in the middle of the woods and she takes the form of like a beautiful woman to egg him in just like like hands on gretel who caleb the, yeah. the son because yeah. his sin is lust yeah so he goes after her but when he when Eggers finally reveals the true form of the witch, and she's like this gross, disgusting, like, ancient, like, naked witch, and she's, like, covering herself with blood and doing some kind of ritual. It's disturbing as fuck. It was terrifying. Yeah. And then you're like, holy fuck, there's a real witch in those woods. Yeah. It's kind of like The Shining when the old woman when Jack goes to see her exactly in yeah the same kind of horror. At first yeah. she's this beautiful woman, and then yeah. he looks in the mirror and she's this gross old lady who's been in the tub for a hundred years uh-huh. kind yeah. of thing. You know the film Eggers does such a good job like playing off their near universal human fear that people had of the woods with yeah. darkness. They didn't know what was in there at nighttime. Mm-hmm. You know they didn't have lights, so there's and always, they believed like, in in monster stories. They like those were, witches. Yeah, they so, believed it was it wasn't uncommon to believe in something unnatural hiding in the woods yeah and then the story took a really interesting turn of how how paranoid people were back then of witchcraft and of of the devil because very very similar to uh, the crucible um and how the the young girls of that town start accusing random people of witchcraft just like that the family in the story start accusing each other of witchcraft until the daughter ends up being the sole um Perpetrator, suspect. Yes, they all start. They turn on each other. Turning, they all start eventually to turn on Thomason, the yeah, girl. Yeah. So especially when um, the young boy Caleb is kind of having that like possession moment. Or but first, before that, sorry to interrupt us. When she's joking with her her brother and sister, like, "Oh, I'm a witch!" Like she's just teasing them, trying to scare them because they're being annoying. But ultimately, they she. Scared them so so much that they were convinced that she was a witch. After this happened, well, yeah, but during that that seance or whatever, what's going on yeah. when the kid is like near death mm. and dying on the on that bed? That's when the everyone's the twins, the young twins, start screaming at her, saying that she's a witch. You're yeah. a witch. She's the witch. She's yeah. the witch. The mother thinks she's a witch. The mother tries to kill her they because believe she it right she's a away. Witch. Yeah, the father, not immediately. It's more the mother at first. But then he starts to assume that she's the witch and accuse her of being the witch. Yeah. So her whole entire family turns on her. Yeah. Which shows you that really the whole... Because the whole movie, you don't know who the witch's sole target is. Or like, what's the witch's intention? Who's she really going after the most? And you eventually learn that she's going after Thomason the most. So Thomason eventually becomes the main target of the witch. And what's so cool about this movie, and I'm building off of that point that you just made... This movie essentially is like the origin story of how a witch becomes a witch. Because, um, Thomason, um, she's forced to kill her mother to defend herself. And so once she's committed, I think once she's committed the sin of, of killing another human being, especially her mother, that was like the, the, um, what do you call it? Initiation, the first step of initiation of becoming a witch. Create a, like, uh, like enact a mortal sin. Exactly. So, it, it begs the question, you you never seen like how a witch becomes a witch in a movie before. You Not know, really, you, you no. They're yeah. just already witches. Yeah, so it was so cool to see like this girl go from an innocent naive girl to volunteering herself to become an agent of the devil. Mm-hmm. It, was fa- it was so cool, so fascinating. I've never seen it done before. And it has that amazing shot at the end where she's walking to, to into the woods and that crazy um choral singing like in The Shining is happening. Mm-hmm. It's just building louder and louder and then she gets to the fire pit, and there are witches dancing around, and then they start rising into the air, and then she slowly starts rising into the air, and she's loving it. Like she's like, it looks like she's like experiencing pleasure from it. Yeah. Well, just because before that, she um, is talking to the goat. Yeah. Asking black go- Black uh, Adam. No, black, no, it's um, Black Philip. Black Philip, who we'll talk about in a minute. <laughs> and so, at, towards the end of the movie, everyone's dead except for her, and she's talking to the goat, and, and the goat's asking her what she wants. Yeah. And basically, she wants. To be, She wants power. She wants maybe not immortality immediately, but she wants to be seen. Yeah. She wants something better in her life. Mm. And basically the, the goat's coaxing her to become a witch Yeah, and tells her what to do. But go back to The Shining. This movie reminds me a lot of The Shining. Mm. So there's a lot of similar traits. So it's about a family that's exiled. Yeah. And so in The Shining, obviously it's a family isolated, Isolation, yeah. just like them too. And they have to survive the father's mental breakdown, mm. which they have to try to do during this movie as well and also sudden violent and homicidal urges mm. very similar to and then there's the more relatable the shift in status the more affected the problem the impact the audience itself in terms of there's the the concept of family versus religion mm-hmm. whereas maybe not maybe there's not religion really in the shining but that's more the family versus the haunting of of the hotel yeah it's like it's it, you could it's like the shining meets the crucible yeah yeah and then Obviously this movie introduced us to Black Phillip who's like now a horror icon. He, dude, before the movie came out, that was the most iconic image everyone was talking about this this goat going to talk. I heard it talks in this movie. Yeah, there's like there's a just for Black Phillip yeah. the goat. It had its own poster. Yeah. And um but the, when he kills the dad, oh my god. He uh just thro- he uh slams his horn right into him. Yeah. Oh my god, that was insane. It's ironic because the dad could have killed the goat earlier yeah, yeah. in the movie, Absolutely. but he, he chooses not yeah. to. spared him. And so the goat in multiple movies, like we've seen it in um, uh, Drag Me to Hell, the goat symbolizes either a demon or the devil. Himself. Yeah, it was back then, too. That's, yeah. That was a symbol for it. So, like, again, they use the goat as a transfer of the demon mm-hmm. in Drag Me to Hell to try to kill the demon. Yeah. So they would try to put it inside the goat. Also a great horror movie. Yeah. That's but it was 2009, so it doesn't qualify. Yeah, I really like that movie a lot. Yeah. Um, but the goat also walks with Thomason at the end of the woods. She, he walks right past her mm. when she's walking to the other um, witches in their bonfire. Yeah. with marshmallows and shit. <laughs> but I, I, it was a great film. Um, ever never seen anything like it. And Edgar's knocked it out of the park for his debut. Yeah, and one other image is the hair. Mm. So the hair is is also present in like witch mythology uh-huh. where it can represent either a spy for the witch or be the witch itself spying on it uh, her prey its prey that makes sense. so there's multiple times in the movie you see this black hair you're like what the fuck is that hair doing like uh-huh. it's just watching them do shit it's great second watch or yeah. third watch yeah, yeah so th- that i think this the hair itself is the witch mm-hmm. spying on them rather than a spy because yeah. the witch can shape shift yeah makes so sense. i think that that's was, simpler yeah all right, now we're going to move on to Jordan Peele's directorial debut, Get Out. Oh, shit. Highly successful movie. This movie was the most successful movie of 2017 with a budget of $4.5 million, box office draw of $255 million domestic, USA only. Blumhouse was very happy about and that. not only that, it was only shot in 23 days. Damn. So most profitable film shot in 23 days, uh. 2017, Get Out. One of the most original, clever films I've seen in the horror genre in a long time. Absolutely. And um it's kind of like uh Sidney Poitier's Portier's movie that he's in, um, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner yeah. mixed with Stepford Wives, like that kind <laughs> of vibe. And um I, I this movie again we saw it in theaters. Yeah. Similar it was to Cabin in the Woods. You don't really know what's going on in this movie, like the mm. whole time. You know it's a horror movie going into it, but you don't know really what the story is. The trailers look super interesting. But the first act seems very normal. Yeah. But basically, with this movie, this movie was word of mouth ignited yeah. the country and ignited audiences. It was like, you gotta see this movie. You gotta see this movie. It's nuts. And yeah. the cool thing about it was no one would tell you what it's about, hmm. which is great because sometimes people spoil movies for other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this was a big time word of mouth go see this movie, even though you've never heard of it, even though you've never heard of the director, even though you've never heard of the, <laughs> the actors. I recognize the actor. Black Mirror. Yeah, so he's in the episode of Black Mirror, kind of the same character he Mm. plays as when he plays Chris in Get Out. Yeah. But um, blew me away. Phenomenal movie. Jordan Peele absolutely crushed it with this. It was such a surprising movie. Um, And it has really heavy themes and ideas, but he made it really engaging. And he made it, um, there's a lot of humor in it, obviously, because he's so naturally funny. But it is terrifying, not in the way that. like a gory movie or like a monster movie is terrifying, but psychologically terrifying. Mm-hmm. And it's it's horrific, the ideas and themes that um, characters carry out in this movie. Yeah, and he kind of, he had multiple inspirations for this movie. So I know Eddie Murphy, um, he has a stand-up bit back from back in the day where he talks about he's, he's showing his his wife a house at an open house. And then the people say that there's a, there's a ghost in the house. And he's like, "Why do white people stay in the house if there's a ghost in there?" So that's basically like the bit. He's like, (laughs) Uh "He's like black people get the fuck out right away." Yeah. So that's where he got the name like "Get Out" and kind of the concept. Yeah, Yeah, and one of the craziest parts of that movie is when, like Heath Stanfield, when um the Flash, um, comes makes him come to for a moment, and he takes control of the body for like a couple of seconds, and he just screams, "Get out!" you're like what the fuck is happening yeah it was unbelievable cuz when you see him and he's the only other black guy there but he's uh, he's acting like an old Super white strange. man like yeah. he's acting very strange messes up the dab um yeah. and everything and so you're like what is going on with this guy and then the yeah. flash then then after that you're still you're still confused of what's going on yeah. and um the cool thing about it is is, is Jordan he plays so much on different soci- social themes in terms of like the way black people have been treated in America over the last few centuries and, um, like, obviously you think that as an audience member, I know I thought I was like, are they, are they selling black people? Are they, mm-hmm. are they buying black people? Like what's going on? I here? thought it was something like that too. Because it's yeah. obviously an auction going on. There's obviously yeah. a secret silent auction going on. Is that what they're doing? Is, are they going to kidnap Chris and somehow like drug him? Like his TSA agent friend thinks he's like, he's like, Oh, they're dr- they're drugging these black people up <laughs> and they're turning them into sex-, sex slaves, sex <laughs> <laughs> So is that really what's going on? Uh-huh. But then Jordan just takes it into a whole crazy sci-fi direction. He goes even deeper, where they're just stealing their bodies. Yeah, which is so cool to think it's of. It's unbelievable. And, and uh, when and when um, Catherine Keener puts um, David Kaluuya into the into that zone, what is it called? Oh, the the, uh, the sunken place. The sunken place. I've never. It was so shocking, and you see him, and he's just falling into this darkness. And then he's just seeing like what his eyes see is just becomes like a small television screen in mm-hmm. the distance, and he has no control over anything. Because up until that point, the parents seem a little off. The yeah. mother seems a little little nutty, but also seems very nice. The father, you know, Jordan Peele does a great job making you relate with them, like the yeah. Obama line. I would have ob- voted uh, for, for Obama a uh, third, third time. time. They seem like they're like trying not to be racist white people. Yeah, they you seem know very mean? nice. Yeah, just exactly. Very wealthy, but it couldn't be further from the truth and then um speaking of the sunken place very visually stunning yeah. and and horrifying yeah. but also um peel reveal jordan peel revealed that the sunken place represents the marginaliza- marginalization of the black community mm. by white people in america mm. and so basically shrinking into that abyss um the loss of voice the loss of help you become, they become helpless Yeah. so that's basically to represent how inability to control their own lives yeah, how black people were treated obviously pre-civil rights yeah pre yeah. pre-1965 or 1966 whatever yeah. year that was it's i i love the ending so much when um he escapes the house and he kills the family and he's finally like he finally got away and then all of a sudden a cop car shows up and you're like oh f- no because like, I've seen in your yeah. head, they're gonna be like the black guy uh, killed yeah, everybody. The black, We're gonna, he's gonna arrest the black him. Guy. Yeah, he's like he's gonna be guilty for murder. And then the door opens and his buddy comes out. And he's like, "TS motherfucking a! <laughs> 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 I told you not to go to that house with those white people." <laughs> <laughs> he's so that, funny. That, was that movie like, it was like a relieving yeah. moment of like relief and like yeah. joy and laughter. But what's really interesting is. Um, Jordan Peele wasn't sure if that was the right ending, so they actually filmed two endings. So the second in- ending they actually filmed was, it ended up being a real cop who arrested um, David Kaluuya, Chris, Chris for killing the white family. So he gets arrested for murder, and then his friend visits him in jail, like a month later. Yeah. So that was the alternate ending to get out. I'm glad he didn't do that. Yeah, me if, either, because think- it was like, he deserved like, to... Get out of there! You know what I mean. No pun intended. He went through it hell. You know what I mean. Yeah, I don't think it would have been as acclaimed as it was no, if yeah. they did it like that. because yeah. that that laugh that was such a, a needed laugh. You it know, it really what I mean? was because the last hour of that movie, the last thirty minutes of that movie, is Intense. so tense when yeah. he's when he gets knocked out, when he's when he wakes up tied up to that sofa chair. Yeah, the shit that's going on on the TV screen. Mm. Um, the father when you finally realize they're cutting people's fucking heads open. And transferring like their their souls into other beings, yeah. into other bodies, and he, watching him escape, and and beating the brother and everything, yeah. and then the the girlfriend uh, Rose. But like he, you're right, he really deserved that ending yeah. to get away scot free. And the audience needed that. Yeah, I think the audience. If it was if it ended up him getting arrested, it would have been a big downer. Yeah, but him getting away and also his buddy just pulling that one liner, it was just like, ah, oh, we can relax yeah. finally. <laughs> he got out. Oh, it's okay. He's okay. Yeah. Something else really interesting that Get Out is about is it's also about the Holy Grail. So this was uh, coming from Jordan Peele. So ah. in the opening scene when Jeremy abducts Andre, uh, who was obviously later on in the movie, yeah. he's got a Knights Templar helmet, mm. which is one of the small element of the detailed backstory Peele gave the Red Alchemist Society, which is the family and the secret group who buys the the, the bodies of, yeah. the, of the black people to inhabit and um, uh, they also believe they are destined for immortality and deity status, basically meaning they'll never die because they keep transferring bodies. Yeah, and so that's really fun to take that giant ancient concept mm. and attribute it to this wild sci-fi horror movie. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like they, it's like they these people figured out a way to become immortal. But also, a I, I, character says something like. The, like I think the one of the reasons why they're choosing black people is because he says black is cool now or something yeah, like black that. Black is in or yeah, black hit. is vogue and it's yeah. just like oh my god, it's so bad. And there are <laughs> people, there are probably people like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I'm Real sure. viewpoints like that. Um, also, Get Out is the first February release since. Silence of the Lambs to score a Best Picture nomination. Wow. And David Kalua also got a Best Actor nomination. Yeah, he was um, unbelievable in it. Yeah, Really great in this movie because I remember seeing him in in Black Mirror. I'm like, wow, this guy's fucking awesome at acting. Uh And that was one of my favorite Black Mirror episodes. That was like season two or season three. Yeah. And um, he's phenomenal. There's a story of Jordan Peele. He was initially thinking about acting in it himself, but then he held auditions and then uh, Kalua auditioned and they did the chair scene um, where he gets put in the sunken place. Um, Peele said that Clue sat in the chair and he did the scene, and then he tears started streaming down his face, and he's like, "Oh, this guy is a real actor." <laughs> <laughs> not that Jordan Peele's not a good actor, yeah, yeah. but like Dave is a great. He, he great can do stuff that not, not many people can do. You know yeah, what I mean? so that was a phenomenal performance. But like when he's in that chair, you're like, "Holy shit!" Because I think the most iconic image from the entire movie is. His shocked face with the tears stream down his cheeks. I That's, think yeah. it's such an iconic iconic image that really makes you so curious about what the movie was. It's one of the new most iconic images in horror genre. In Absolutely, general. yeah, it really is. It's everywhere. You can get a fucking phone case of that. <laughs> but this movie's full of subliminal messages, obviously. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite ones is um. So after uh, Chris gets kidnapped and he's down, and he's trapped, and everyone everyone thinks he like the the whole situation's over. Specifically, the daughter, Rose, and the mother. So they're up in the house doing whatever. Yeah. Um, this is before he escapes and during while he's escaping. Rose is just in her bedroom, and she's hunting for new black things oh to God. steal and to trap. And she's just doing the psychotic thing where she's eating Fruit Loops and drinking milk. So the Fruit Loops are in a bowl, and she'll eat the Fruit Loop and then drinks— the milk out of a glass. With a straw. With a straw, which is psychotic. It's insane. And this is, obviously, it can be uh, looked at symbolically where she has a white glass of milk and then she has a bowl of colored Fruit Loops where she doesn't want to mix the white with the black. Uh-huh. And she's also using a black straw which can insinuate interracial sex, which she, she has interracial sex as she tries to trap and kidnap all these black guys for the... Alchemist group, mm. so that's like one of my one of the creepiest things I've ever seen in terms of like people eating. And she's things. got like this creepy face on. It's like she we finally reve- she finally revealed who she really was. Yeah, she's you know like I mean? a bird, like just like taking these yeah. little bites and these little sips, and it's just like a very creepy shot. Yeah. And I and I read that uh, Peel. It was in the script, but he didn't know what she was going to eat, and so he's like trying to think of like what's the weirdest, most psychotic food she yeah. could be eating, and what's the craziest way she could be eating it. Uh-huh. And then he thought of a very smart. Way to show it, yeah, and that's just a very creepy image to me. <laughs> and she's great because she, he he picked like a perfect actress. She not even she's, was she a good actress, but in terms of like she looks like that girl that you've had a crush on your whole life, Awesome well, girl next door, girl, girl next door, uh, sweet, innocent, strong, funny. Until she turns crazy, yeah. So she was perfectly cast. The whole movie's like perfectly cast. Oh, yeah. Not to mention the guy from Billy Madison. Also, these <laughs> two movies in this list. Yeah, he's been in two great horror movies. He gets eaten by a merman, then he gets hit in the head or right. Yeah, he gets something like in. yeah. yeah held, his skull gets bashed in. I yeah, think. yeah, he bashes his skull in, yeah, yeah. he's killing it. <laughs> but he's in a Handmaid's tail now, so he's he's set. Yeah, he's he's doing well. He had a quite a string of no work at all. Yeah. All right. How about we uh, we move on to. Uh, Hereditary. Okay. Which I think is just, just a straight, one of the horrific, most horrific movies I've ever seen. One of the most terrifying movies I've ever watched in my yeah. life. It's like, unbelievable. I was scared the entire movie. And be- not only because of how terrifying it is, but like, again, slow tension and like the way it's shot, the way it's acted, the storyline that's going on. Again, you don't really know what's going characters. on. characters, And you just so the, the tension builds up and like the, the daughter's this weird kid and then like the son's also kind of a weird kid and then the mother with the the miniature models that she's constantly building yeah. which reflects her mind state so the models we'll get into that reflects basically her and the family's mind state of mind throughout the movie which is why obviously in the beginning of the movie she's doing like working really hard on them but then she starts to slack she's getting calls from the people that she borrowed the money that got the loans to them from, uh. and she she's like, "There's gonna be a delay." And then she eventually destroys all her models because mm-hmm. at that point she's just gone completely bonkers. Yeah, she's lost it, and but I love the imagery of that to represent the family. Yeah, and this it's such a great slow burn of a movie where everything slowly rolled out, and when it finally comes to when it crescendos upwards and it finally comes to its climax. I've never been so... It's, you're rarely this on edge in a movie theater. I was scared shitless. When yeah. we, we saw this in theaters, man. Yeah. Holy shit. Like, as, soon, as soon as you know what's going on... Yeah. And like once like people start getting possessed... And the mom gets possessed... Yeah. And she's like tiptoeing around and she's the on, house. She's on the fucking ceiling. And she's like a demon. And she's got like the weird posture in the eyes yeah. and everything. And Tony Collette is just chasing the sun around the house. The, oh my god. The, the most terrifying thing in that movie, I think... Is when Tony Collette's on the fucking ceiling. And she's hacking at her neck with barbed wire just like oh, back and, and forth like, oh like oh my just like got this face tony collette sh- should have probably won an oscar for this for this performance she didn't yeah, got get nominated. nominated dude she's so good in it she does so much in this movie it's um, it's insane how much she does in this movie yeah and she's so convincing the whole time she fully commits to it yeah and man. she she the movie's on her shoulders you know what i mean that scene in the attic, man, holy shit! I was, every time I watch, I've seen it three times, and I'm always scared shitless. Horrifying, and um. Mary redeemed a fifty
0: thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online.
1: I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba
0: Casino was America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely, anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to jumbocasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.
1: And also, one of the most powerful horror images I've, I think in recent memory is when um, her husband catches on fire when she throws the uh, what she throws on the fire the book the book yeah yeah she throws the book into the fireplace and then he just suddenly bursts into flames and it's just this wide shot and she's just like in staring at him in horror and shock and he just is just burst he's just caught on fire it's unbelievable and yeah. this beautiful image of the warm light in the house and it's just insane yeah and then when you finally the ending when like people are being reborn and the people that are naked in the woods and hiding out are finally coming out and yeah. you realize that it's about bringing life to a deity in yeah. Paimon. You're just like, what the fuck is going on it's with insane. this movie? And the cool thing about this movie is when you watch it again, you realize that the daughter, Charlie, had Paimon inside of her the entire movie. Mm-hmm. So as soon as she was born, she had the demon Paimon inside of her. Mm-hmm. However, Paimon needs a male host. And so when uh, Tony Kelly's characters, they explain in the movie when she had um, the son... There was no way she was going to give her to her mother, the yeah. grandmother. So the grandmother Who was Who like, was in the cult. She was in that cult trying to bring Paimon back to life. Yeah. And she wouldn't give her son to, to the grandmother because she obviously wanted— she did, Tony Clay didn't know, but the grandmother wanted to bring Paimon back to life. Yeah. which she. So then she settles for the daughter. So Paimon is living inside the daughter, Charlie, mm-hmm. the whole movie, her whole life, as a placeholder for when— they find a replacement body. Mm. And it's just so creepy. And that's why, that makes sense because that's why after the daughter dies, then the son starts getting possessed by Paimon. Yeah. And I think it, I think uh, that's the reason why she makes all these weird things. She makes like these weird bodies with twigs and stuff. I think for me, when I watched it the second time, I'm like, that looks like it represents the body that she wants Mm -hmm. or the body that she wants to be or Paimon wants to be. Another thing I love about this film is the ending where, the demon wins in the end. Yeah, it gets re- it gets born into the earth, just like in Rosemary's Baby, which I think has also one of the best endings, probably the best ending in horror movie history, where the Antichrist is successfully born, and then Mia Farrow decides to become a mother to it. So the cult wins, and this demon is on Earth now. Yeah, same, and it's just like this. It's like the good guys didn't win. We're fucked. And it's, unbelievable. it's great. Yeah. It's so good. It's, yeah, you're right. It's very similar to Rosemary's Baby, which yeah. is a freaking masterpiece of a movie. That's yeah, amazing. Oh my God. I love that movie. Yeah. I watched it like two months ago yeah. for the first time in years. And I was like, holy shit. It's great. My God. It's unbelievable. But um, yeah, te- Hereditary is terrifying. Mm. It's really well made. It's really well made. Beautifully shot. Yeah. Um, and the there's, act- a great, there's a great moment where the son, he's, he's so, everything's like, time's like blended together for him. And there's a shot where he's in the house, and it's nighttime, and he's just like got this face, and he's like he's like being he's like lost. And then it sharp cuts, and he's in class, but he's in the identical position, but it's daytime, and he's in his classroom, and it's this amazing cut. It's the one of my favorite cuts, bro. When he smashes his face on the desk in his classroom. Oh my god! I lost it, him in, and his classmates just fucking freak out and get away from him. Oh, and he has, you can see, like, he has no, he's not doing it. Yeah. He's like under, he's under control of something yeah. else. And the cool thing, the actor, he like, he told the director, Ari Aster, he's like, I'll, I'll do it on a real desk. I'll break my nose on the real desk. And is like, dude, that's illegal. I don't want to get sued. Gonna, <laughs> they, so they brought it in, they had like a prop cushioned safety desk that yeah. he did it on, but you could still hurt yourself on it. He yeah. didn't break his nose or anything, but. I know he hurt himself pretty well on it because he fucking smashed his face on that thing. Yeah, it looked like and it. And he d- he gave a really great performance. He was in that good. Movie. Yeah, he was really good. Besides Tony Colletti, he was the, the best part of the movie. Yeah. He's really great. And just Ari Aster in general. What a visionary horror director. Yeah. I mean, this guy's ideas, not even, we'll talk about uh, Midsommar in another podcast and his mm. other great movies, but like the guy is so smart and unique. And it's just, his movies exude uh, just. Terror, yeah, and fear, dread, man. yeah. I'm just, every time I watch one of his movies, holy shit! You, you're you, in you, for it. You know things are happening. You know it's gonna build to something horrible, and you, the whole time. You're just like, oh, like cringing, like, oh, what's going to happen? Oh, something really bad's going to happen soon. I swear, every time I watch one of his movies, even if I've seen it again, I'm not the same person. <laughs> it's like doing, like, LSD. It's, it's fuck, it's like, it fucks your brain, yeah. man. He's, he's, he's probably the best new addition to horror. Yeah, so, again, like, like we were talking about earlier, like, there's so many new great horror writer-directors. Yeah. Not even very popular ones like Ari Aster, but, like, even someone like Ty West— yeah. Who's generally unknown to like the broad audiences yeah, in yeah. America, but like he's made some great horror he's movies. He's Made some excellent movies, yeah, like House of the Devil and Innkeepers yeah. and um the the cult one that he did. Yeah. Um, so like there's so many, so much great talent and new young talent for horror directors right now, mm. and we're really seeing that with Ari Aster specifically. He's yeah. probably the best working right now, in my yeah. opinion. Him and Rupert Eggers are killing it, yeah. We got The Invisible Man. Oh, man. <laughs> again, a movie that, like usual, you're like, dude, you got to see this movie. You got to watch it. And, like, you watched it the week before. Like, You're like, dude, I watched I, it the other day. I'll watch it again right now. I was telling you for days. I was, like, on you for days to watch it. Yeah, I went into this movie, again, zero expectations, just like The Witch. And the trailer was good, but, you know, it It does. It looks like, oh, okay. It kind of, like, seems like the Kevin Bacon one, the I Hollow guess. Man. And, yeah. and you're like, ah, I mean... Okay, only from your strong, very strong recommendation. I was like, all right, let's watch this movie. It was like a Friday night. And this movie is fucking great. It's incredible. It's phenomenal. It's one of my favorite movies in the last couple of years, yeah. man. Like, it blew me away. And I was genuinely, genuinely terrified multiple times. <laughs> you you screamed I a couple screamed. of times. There, there was a few you times jumped more than a few times. Like, obviously, there's going to be spoilers, guys. So, specifically, I'll just say the one time I screamed the loudest... Was when she's in the attic and she <laughs> finds the phone. And she's in, and then the whole movie, you're like, "Where's the guy? He's invisible. He's somewhere. He could be anywhere." <laughs> and then like she looks down the attic door again, and then she takes paint and throws it down the attic hole, and he's just right there. and He gets covered in paint. Yeah. And I fucking scream. <laughs> I was like, ah! "You were. You're were like, oh shit. You're yeah. like, you were like literally going fucking a." <laughs> Dude, I was scared shitless, man. They, that movie was so smart because. They took the idea of okay, this guy is invisible, but they they um, made it. They turned it into this story about um, what it's like to be in abuse in an abusive relationship, and like people who are in abusive relationships, they're pretty much like in their own horror movies, just in their lives. Yeah, and they're stuck and they're trapped in this horror horrible life. But he did it in such a smart way that it was yeah. unique. Yeah, and you really like felt that like these people who are trapped in these situations. They can't escape. Yeah, And she exactly. goes through this. The opening of the movie is this crazy elaborate scheme that she's clearly been planning for weeks. And it's not the first time she's tried to escape. Yeah, clearly. And she, and she almost doesn't get out alive. Yeah. And it's just fucking... The whole opening, I was shitting my pants just yeah. trying to watch her escape. Exactly. It was a very similar to the opening in A Quiet Place. Yeah. No dialogue, but you can tell what's going on. Tension. And Elizabeth Moss um, showed... Because I'm a fan of hers. Cause, and you watch Mad Men. Yeah. But I've watched The Handmaid's Tale. And... Um, and I've seen a, uh, a bunch of her uh, independent films that she's made. And she really is one of the most talented actors working today. Mm-hmm. And she carries that movie. She emotes so much and gives so much to, to a performance that like, so few actors are capable of. And she carries this movie on her shoulders. Yeah. She's so talented that she can get a role like this and just keep you invested in it the whole time. Yeah. And also, when you're watching this movie, and she's married to this incredibly rich incredibly successful, smart, attractive guy. And you're kind of like, how did she get this guy? Yeah. How, how did she get this guy? Cause he's, he looks like he could get any person in the world. Yeah. Any wife he wants. And, um, he even says that, or she even says that too. Like why, why me? Yeah, why yeah. are you doing this to me? Yeah. And so why do you think she, she, well, I think she gets picked. We don't learn about their history as a relationship, but I think in the past that she has rejected him in the past because no one says no to him. No one has ever said no to him. And that's what drives him crazy. And so her, I think that in the past, at she has rejected him and it's caused him to desperately want her more than anything, which is why he concocts the entire plan of building an invisible suit to terrorize her and force her into coming back into his into his home. Yeah. So basically, her obviously, her previous attempts that you don't see, her yeah. previous attempts trying to escape is her rejecting him yeah. which he can't take. Yeah, he hates so rejection more than anything. And it was so smart because in the past invisible man movies like Hollow Man and the old invisible man, he's biologically invisible. Mm-hmm. But in this, especially with our familiarity with with Iron Man and like in movies like we are we see like the craziest technologies in movies, so we're used to things like and this. In real life. Yeah, in real life, it's pretty believable that someone could invent this suit that can make you invisible. Like there are invisible like there's cars that have been built to be invisible. Mm-hmm. Like not perfectly, but like they're getting better. It's believable, yeah. So it's totally believable that a suit like this can exist. Like this suit full of just high quality cameras. Yeah. Just projecting a mirror, a a mirror image mirror image and yeah. just and or invisible image. You you're right, you do believe it. And the cool thing is about it is anyone can do it. Exactly. And you see in, in the movie, three different people put on the suit yeah. and become invisible. Exactly. And, I, and also, it sets up the, the possible ideas for a next film for it. Yeah. She ends up at the end of the movie with an invisible suit. Yeah. And the thing with it is, he's not in the movie very often, the the husband. No. Um, like they're just. I think they're just a couple, not married. Yeah. But that's one of the things that's great about it is he's just tormenting her. And yeah. you as an audience member, and even he torments his brother. So no one is safe from this guy. Exactly. He even torments... He controls his entire brother's... His brother's life. And his yeah. brother knows he's alive still. Mm-hmm. And he, he uses his brother, who eventually gets killed, yeah. impersonating him in the suit to try to kill uh, her friend's daughter. Yeah. And they did a good job with, like, the relationships with with the family and her friends. Yeah. I, it was very believable. It's yeah. not like one of those horror movies that falls into, oh, of course, she's got these friends that are kind of yeah, yeah, exactly, but yeah. It was a good job. And then you really felt the threat with the daughter. And when, like... One of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is she's in that, like, room that she's sleeping in at her friend's house. Uh-huh. And um, she knows he's, like, she's, free- she's she starting to believe him. that he's yeah. invisible. He's yeah. somewhere in the room. And she, like, starts throwing shit on the floor to see if she can see his footsteps and stuff like yeah. that. It was the first sign of her suspicions. Yeah, and it yeah. was, like, five minutes of that. And you're just like, where is his footsteps? Because you know he's there. He's there. He's and then he steps there. on the blanket. Yeah. Holy. my f- f- The most shocking part of that movie is when she goes to dinner with her sister to try and get her sister to help her out. They had a, a bad situation before, so her sister became estranged, but she's like trying to repair the relationship, and she's like, I need your help. And then her sister's like, okay, I'm going to help you. I'll I, i I'll support you with whatever is going on. And then all of a sudden, a knife just starts floating in the air next to her sister and slits her throat. And then it, it goes right into Elizabeth Moss' hand. And... Her sister just fucking collapses on the floor, and the entire restaurant freaks out, and then Elizabeth Moss is just sitting there holding the knife. So, obviously, it looks like she just killed her sister. Yeah. And then she gets put into a mental institution, but that scene was like, holy fuck! The best part of that scene, though, is obviously the shock of it, Yeah. but also, for like two seconds, her sister's like, you can see the sister, and her eyes believes her. Yeah. Now she gets what the exactly. fuck she's Exactly, She finally about. on her side. She sees the knife, she's like, oh my god, she wasn't lying, boom, I'm dead. Yeah. Slipped my throat. That exactly. was... That was insane. You never seen anything like it. Unbelievable. This whole movie was kind of like you've never seen anything like it before. Yeah, so smart, very unique and original. It's kind of just like a constant chase scene movie. She's on the run, cat and mouse, and she she's she's uh, up to this. She's able to to defend herself and fight back. Like when she's we find out she's pregnant, so obviously he doesn't want her to die, and then she thinking that he's in the room with her, threatens to kill herself. And this gets him to reveal himself, and then she stabs him, mm-hmm. and this helps her escape the mental institution. Yeah, but that scene in the hallway when like his the cameras security are going guards on and off. Yeah, holy shit! And then he goes to town on those security guards. It was so well shot and just shocking. And then like all those security guards when they get in, they show up on the scene, they're like they see their friends are all fucking dead. And they're like, oh, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, and he'll just like grab one of them and just shoot them oh my god and then the rain in the parking lot yeah. when, she's, when he's, she's chasing after him because now she has the gun yeah. and she's trying to catch him Yeah, dude that movie is phenomenal so good if you guys have never seen it The Invisible Man is really really good it's got a fantastic ending and all in all, in all it's it's one of my all. It's, it really is one of my all time favorite horror movies wow. it's fantastic it's a bold statement everybody very bold, very bold statement Elizabeth Moss killed it yeah alright we got one more movie Ooh-hoo. that we're gonna talk about The Lighthouse yeah Shot an old film and old cameras, black and white. <laughs> Fantastic psychological horror film. Again, Robert Eggers in this unless it list. Rupert Eggers. Rupert Eggers. Is yeah. a Rupert, Did I call him Rupert. Robert earlier? Yeah, my bad. It's okay. I'll Whatever. Cut it. Rupert. Rupert Robert. Rupert Eggers. Um I went into this again, not really knowing exactly what it was, but I love Willem Dafoe. And the, the trailer was visually striking yeah. and interesting. I'm a big fan. of... Of Robert Pattinson. Me too. But I will warn you, this movie is not made for conventional audiences. It's not a typical kind of movie. This movie most likely won't be for you, even if you're a horror fan. Mm. Because it's just... It's such like a in-depth look at a relationship in a time you've never been. So this movie, it's very unconventional in the way it's told. Because the movie itself is a story about madness and falling into madness. So the story and the writing and the dialogue and the plot... They, it matches that idea of just the movie becomes madness. So it's not, it's not, it's a, it's a difficult movie to watch if you're not a, a lover of these kinds of challenging movies. But if you do love challenging movies, it's right up your alley, and you would love it. Yeah, specifically because it's, it's so much like a play. It's just two guys. Yeah. In a house. Yeah. One setting. Outside, yes, but it's one location. Yeah. Yeah. It's really just one location, and um, Willem Dafoe. It was like his best performance I've ever seen in my it's life. It's one of my favorite performances, and I I can't I think it's the biggest Oscar snub in recent memory because Willem Dafoe absolutely destroys this movie. The amount of dialogue this guy had was insane. He just goes off on monologue after monologue. He's got this incredible character he's created. He's often drunk and belligerent. He's and also he's got a pipe in his mouth the whole time. Yeah, and you don't really see like the you you read about drunken sailors yeah. in books, but you don't really see it visually on camera a lot. He felt like he was a two hundred year old drunken sailor, it, and not <laughs> it's not just dialogue; it was like Orwellian dialogue with it's nothing that we're familiar with, and he is just pouring it out like a professional. Yeah, and. It's he's so good in the movie. I can't believe he didn't get any Oscar nominations. Yeah. it's just a, it's a raw performance, man. Yeah. And then another great thing about this movie is is the lighting in this movie. Yeah. And there's a lot of night scenes of them like getting drunk in the kitchen, getting drunk and stuff. And there's just like or like in their bedroom, and there's just like one little light. And it's beautiful. It has this beautiful like aura effect on this yeah. old film and in these old lenses and this old camera. Well, it's actually interesting that you pointed that out because quite the opposite is in uh, what happened in real life. So the film they used, it was incredibly insensitive. So they had to use twice as many lights as they normally would have on a set. Or a brighter light, or very bright lights. They had to use more lights than ever, than any other set because the film needed, in order to get capture the image, it needed way more light than a normal film. And the lenses are so slow. Yeah, yeah no, the film. Okay. It's, it's old film. So on set, the lights were so bright that the actors were often like, Wincing with pain from their eyes because it was so. Imagine the movie. Watch it again and just imagine like these huge spotlights on them the entire time. That's crazy because it's such a dark. Yeah, the, shot the movie, movie is dark. Nighttime, so it's like literally like two strips strips of film on top of each other. Yeah. So that's why they you need to in order to penetrate that you need twice as much light to get yeah. it. And Eggers does such a great job making you feel like you're there because, like, while watching this movie, I'm, like, in a comfortable movie theater. But I feel like I'm cold. I feel like I'm wet. (laughs) I feel like there's ocean breeze blowing on me because the characters are feeling it. And they Mm -hmm. do such a good job of moting it. And you feel like you're in these shitty conditions, in this shitty storm going on, Uh. in this tiny cabin that's not heated. Nothing (laughs) works. They have just liquor. And, like, he makes the same crappy meal every night. You tell me you're fond of me lobster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a favorite line. The relationship is just so interesting yeah. and unique in like how it degrades towards the end of the movie uh-huh. and how nuts DeFoe is and how you think Pattinson's character isn't nuts, but eventually becomes nuts as well. Yeah. And becomes maybe even crazier than Willem Defoe's character. He becomes intoxicated by the lighthouse. Yeah, so the lighthouse just is just this emblem where Defoe won't let him go to it and won't let him inside. Yeah. And we'll- Defoe keeps it for himself. Yeah. So the movie is a interpretation of um, Greek myth, the Greek myth of Prometheus. Um, Prometheus um, steals fire from the gods and gives it to the uh, humans on Earth. Um, and he is punished by the gods, by having his uh, insides eaten by birds for eternity. Is it his entire insides, or is it just his liver? It's just, it's liver. Yeah, his, so liver. Yeah, his liver. Yeah, so I think his for liver for the rest of eternity. He's yeah. chained down, has yeah. to be cut yeah, open. for eaten eternity. Forever. That, he has to suffer that forever. And that's the, one of the last shots of the movie. So yeah, in the movie, um, Robert Pattinson becomes intoxicated by the lighthouse, which represents fire. And so he kills Willem Defoe and steals the light. He steals the fire from Defoe. And then when he finally uses it, um, instead he's punished for it. And then the last shot of the film, he's on the rocks on the edge of the water being uh, eaten alive by seagulls. Yeah. Just like Prometheus. When he finally breaks into the lighthouse and gets up into the light, you're just like, as an audience member, you're like, what is it? What's in there? What the fuck is up in that thing? And then... If you're familiar with history and then you see his, his inside and his liver being eaten, you're like, yeah. oh, wow, this yeah. is Greek mythology. Yeah, a yeah. representation of that. Yeah, the modern story. And um, there's a lot of great imagery in this movie, um, a lot of great um, creature horror. But it's, it's it's with the mermaid and then with the uh, with the tentacles um, and the t- deterioration of Robert Pattinson's mind um, and, and his slowly building obsession with the light. Um, and and then it is growing animosity towards Willem. Yeah, Defoe. Willem Dafoe. Where they end up hating each other. Yeah, because he makes him do everything. Yeah. While Willem Dafoe is just up at the up at the lighthouse. All the time. <laughs> and he's like making him do all the chores and making him carry the the buckets. Up, the oil. The oil yeah. up the up the stairwell and everything yeah, like yeah. that. And then it's it's also there are some very funny moments in this movie. Oh yeah, with the farting, the farting <laughs> in the bedroom. And then even just watching him bury him alive, you're just like, "What the fuck is going he, on?" He makes him walk like a dog. He yeah. puts a leash on him. Yeah. He's like, "Bark, dog, bark, dog." It's a crazy movie. It's, it's absolutely nuts. It's again, it's not meant for most audiences, but it is a genius masterpiece of a movie. And, and if if it's if you're into those kinds of movies, like this is perfect for you. Yeah, and it's a blend of genres. Yeah, and. Obviously, that's only six movies, so I want to go over some honorable mentions real quick just to mention them. Let's do it. For other uh, great movies during this decade, The Wailing, mm. which uh, you showed me, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The Duke. I love it. Very yeah, the good. Australian. Might be a little bit overrated, but it's still very, very good. Um, it Follows. Fantastic. It, I yeah. it almost made this list of movies we're going to talk about. I'm sure that'll come up in a podcast episode later yeah. yeah. On. I love that movie a that. lot. Yeah, it's good. Um, Mandy. Oh, yeah, with Nick Cage. I love Mandy. Yeah, that movie is intense. But I felt like it was more of like a sci-fi action than just horror, so it didn't meet the requirements for this list. I'll put that on horror, but yeah. it's a very out-there movie, man. Yeah. That movie's sick. Uh, Goodnight, Mommy, Yeah, which is freaky, freaking awesome yeah. about twins. <laughs> hey, did you know today is National Twin Day? Is it really? Yeah. I'll have to Happy post- National Twin Day. Yeah, you too. We'll have to post a selfie. Yeah. Um, Midsommar, Ariaster again, which we mentioned. Yeah. Green Room Oh my god Such a good movie With uh Nielsen, Yeah Sir Patrick Stewart Yeah Emerging Really fucking Boots. good movie Yeah Terrifying Relevant today All those that's movies are great That's a, great... a good B list So this is our Favorite horror movies Of, of, of uh, the last decade Yeah 2010 to 2020 Um, Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We had fun. It was a good one. Episode 10 of the Raiders of the Lost podcast. We got lots more coming your way too. Again, hit us up in the DMs. Leave us some comments. Follow us on Raiders of the Lost podcast on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, everywhere. Subscribe on YouTube. Let us know um, what you want us to talk about. Yeah, if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear it. Hit us up. Don't be afraid. We respond to everything in the DMs. Um, And also, we have a giveaway going on for a free movie poster. So we're giving away a movie poster to whoever wins our contest. All you have to do is subscribe to our YouTube channel and comment on the giveaway video on the YouTube channel. And all you comment, all you have to do is comment your favorite movie, and we'll send you, if you win, a poster of that movie. Yeah. And it's free. Looking forward to it. It's yeah. free 99. It's a free poster. It <laughs> doesn't cost any money. I like free 99. Just name the movie, and we'll send you something. <laughs> and, um... Other than that, stay tuned for Thursday. We'll have a new episode coming for you. Thanks for listening and thanks for watching. All right. Have a great week. Bye.